The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix as Riley, initially aired on the Blue Network, later known as ABC, on January 16, 1944, and ran through 1951, when it made the transition to TV. In all of the show's different incarnations, the comedic plot lines center around Riley himself, a gullible and occasionally clumsy but big-hearted man, and the doings and undoings of his family. In several ways, Riley was the prototype for later blue-collar sitcom protagonists such as blustery, get-rich-quick schemer Ralph Cramden, played by Jackie Gleason. Riley had a knack for turning mere trouble into near disaster through his well-intentioned bumbling. One of the greatest tributes to the life of Riley was paid by Married with Children Ed O'Neill's Language and Manner of Speaking as Al Bundy which was remarkably similar to Bendix's, and Al's wife, like Riley's, was named Peg. Bendix created a legendary prototype with the unpolished, big-hearted Riley that still stands as a classic today. Our first episode is called A Spicy Book, which premiered October 6, 1950. In this episode, Riley's daughter switches covers on a trashy book, and Riley reads the innocent text of Lucy Lawrence's Campfire Girls and ends up recommending the book to his son. The second episode, Riley in the School Play, begins with Chester Jr. expressing his fear about having to kiss the lead girl in his high school play, while Riley's wife Peg calms Jr.'s fears with a story of how his dad handled the same task with her years before when they both acted in their high school play. And now, The Life of Riley. It's the life of Riley when it's Pabst Blue Ribbon you drink. The finest beer anywhere, so let the glasses clink. Oh, east or west or north or south, there's nothing like it at all. Yes, you're living the life of Riley when for Pabst Blue Ribbon you call. When for Pabst Blue Ribbon you call. Pabst Blue Ribbon, finest beer served anywhere, proudly presents The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix as Riley. A glance at the bestseller lists this week will reveal that the leading literary favorite of the public is a novel entitled Milady Jezebel, which, according to the publisher's blurb on the jacket, is the tempestuous story of an unscrupulous restoration adventuress who loved to live and lived to love. With more than half a million copies in print, the book's fame has spread far and wide, even as far as the kitchen of Chester A. Riley by way of an item in his evening newspaper. Peg, what does meretricious mean? Oh, I don't know. Uh, what does uh, prurient mean? I don't know. What does uh, salacious mean? Well, it means... Oh, I don't know, Riley. Well, I'm surprised at you. Don't you know anything? <laughs> well, you're so smart. What does it mean? I asked you first. <laughs> I, I think it means, well... Obscene. Oh. What does obscene mean? Oh, for heaven's sake, don't you even know what that means? Oh, well, yeah, yeah sure, sure. Sure, I know what it means. Well, what? Well, it means, uh, well, it's, uh, it's, uh... Well, obscene means, well, uh, in bad taste, unclean. Correct. <laughs> what are you doing, a crossword puzzle? Uh, no, no, it's this item here in the paper. It says... The Garden Shield Society of Boston considers the book to be meretricious, prurient, and salacious. Members of the society have been picketing bookstores and are attempting to have the book banned. Well, what kind of book is it? Well, I don't know, but if this Garden Shield Society had stopped worrying about books and concentrate on getting a couple of pictures for the Red Sox, they might win the pennant. <laughs> well, what's that got to do with it? Anyway, I don't believe in censorship. Let the public decide what's good for them. Some moron wants to read a trashy book, that's his privilege. And I, for one, will never give up that privilege. Well, what's the name of this book, anyway? Huh? Well, it's called, uh, let's see, uh, My Lady Jezebel. My Lady Jezebel? Yeah. Where'd I hear that before? Oh, yes, Babs was reading it. What? 
Our daughter was reading a trashy book like that? Now, take it easy. Take it easy. Your daughter is ruining her mind with junk, and you tell me to take it easy? How do you know it's junk? You haven't even read it. I don't have to. What's good enough for the Red Sox is good enough for me. <laughs> now, look, Riley, our Babs is a pretty level-headed girl. She's only 17, and I'm 40. And my head's even more level. Just look at the top of my head. Look at it. <laughs> I've seen it, dear. Now, remember, Babs goes to college, and she knows a lot more about books than you ever will. Well, that's a fine thing to say. I suppose next thing you'll be telling me my daughter has more brains than I've got. Well, I didn't say that. No, because you're too polite. (laughs) (laughs) I trapped you that time. (laughs) Now, look, Riley, Babs knows what she's doing. Besides, she was told to read the book. Who told her? One of her teachers. She's got to do a book review. Well, that's a nice thing. I pay taxes for a teacher to tell my daughter to read junk. Let Babs decide that. Today, the schools let the kids think for themselves. Well, there's too much thinking in them schools. In my day, we did without it. (laughs) Babs goes to UCLA, and it's just fine. Not when they tell a young girl to read an off-of-color book. My teacher never tipped me off to read them kind of books. I had to dig them up on my own. Okay, laugh, but I'm getting a hold of that book and she ain't gonna read another page unless I okay it. Well, you just said you don't believe in censorship. I don't care what I said. No daughter of mine is gonna read a book that's prurient and salicylicious and malnutritious. (laughs) Do I make myself clear? dull, Marge. Is it really bad? It's so badly written. An obvious attempt to appeal to the morons who like vulgar trash. I'm going to rip it to pieces in my review. Babs, that book isn't Milady Jezebel. Yes, it is. But look at the cover. It says Lucy Lawrence Campfire Girl. Oh, that's just the paper jacket. I switched the jackets. What for? Oh, in case my kid brother starts snooping around. He's always doing it. And this is no book for a child of 13. So I just put the Jezebel cover on that silly Lucy Lawrence book and left it in the bookcase. Well, that's a wonderful idea. I'm going to try it on my pest of a brother. If Junior's got an idea that he wants to learn about life, he's in for a big surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hello, dear. How was your bowling tonight? Uh, Pretty bad, but I beat Gillis. Is Babs home? Well, not yet. She went out with Marge. Oh, so she's trying to avoid me, huh? She probably knows I found out about that book. She doesn't know anything about it. Anyway, I told you to leave her alone. Please, Peg, I know what I'm doing. Riley, you stay out of Babs's room. Well, let's see. Where would she hide that book? Oh, I don't like this spying. Maybe in the bookcase. That's a good place for books. <laughs> Riley, this is wrong, I tell you. Uh-huh. Uh, here it is. My Lady Jezebel. Just look at that cover. Look at the dress that dame is wearing. What there is of it. That's the way they dressed in the old days. Well, all I can say is I'm certainly glad you didn't live in those days. I sure wish I did. (laughs) What? Uh, Nothing, nothing. Now we'll see what kind of a book this is. Hey, Mom, the laundry man's here. Oh, dear, I haven't even sorted it out. Oh, tell him to wait, Junior. Peg, wait a minute. Where are you going? The, the book. I haven't got time now. Well, you... Oh, see who's at the door. Okay. I'm coming. Oh, it's you, Gillis. Hey, Randy, let me a hammer and a screwdriver, quick. Hey, what's the matter? My wife got locked in a closet. The doorknob fell off. Hurry up. I got to get her out. She might suffocate. Yeah, okay, I'll get it for you. Here, hold this book. Hey, where'd you get that book? My Lady Jezebel. <laughs> hey, I think this is hot stuff. Whoa, get a load of that dame on the cover. Here's the hammer, Gillis. What a big woof. Gillis, your wife in the closet. Relax, she won't run away. <laughs> Look at that. Gillis, push your eyeballs back in their sockets. <laughs> hey, Rayleigh, lend me the loan of this book, will you? Must be pretty spicy. Yeah, that's what I'm going to find out. And if it is... A certain school teacher is going to hear from my daughter's father. Let's see. Yeah, look, 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 look in the middle. That's where the spicy stuff usually starts. Yeah. Uh, listen to this. Lucy cast her eyes on the ground and blushed to the roots of her golden hair. Sir, she said coldly, I cannot continue to converse with you 
as we have never been formally introduced by a mutual acquaintance. And with a haughty toss of her curls, she left him. This is spicy. <laughs> Sounds like a very sensible type girl to me. Oh, look, look, there's a part of our kissing. Read that. Where, where? Oh, yeah. Although Lucy was 23 years old, no man's lips had ever touched hers. Uh-huh. But that night at the sorority dance, when she stepped out on the veranda for a breath of air, she soon realized she was not alone. Uh-huh. She noticed a dim figure lurking in the shrubbery. It was Ludwig von Pitlack. <laughs> Crabtree Corner's most notorious rake. Uh-huh. Suddenly, he leaped out of the bushes and bounded up the stairs with a passionate cry. Lucy, kiss me. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, holding him at arm's length, Lucy said, No, Ludwig, this cannot be, for I have promised my dear father faithfully that the first man to kiss me will be my husband. Huh? <laughs> and with a haughty toss of her curls, she left him. Uh, I can get a bigger kick out of reading the phone book. <laughs> Never mind, I only hope my Babs has ideas like that This is a wonderful book Hey, here's another part about Ludwig, listen Okay, there must be some reason it was banned in Boston Ludwig was on his knees Lucy, he implored, be mine I shall give you diamonds, jewels, furs A beautiful mansion And an Essex Roadster with a rumble seat <laughs> No, Ludwig von Pitlack, Lucy replied I am going to marry Roger Courtney he is my ideal. And with a haughty toss of her curls, she left him. <laughs> Roger was indeed worthy to be Lucy's ideal. He was a clean-cut, clean-living, clean-thinking youth. Three times captain of his college domino team. <laughs> he neither smoked, nor drank, nor gambled. He lived with his widowed mother, whose sole support he was, and nine o'clock usually found him safely tucked in bed. He sounds like a nice case for Digger O'Dell. <laughs> yeah, well, I wish my junior would be like this, Roger. What a fake. Those crooked publishers. They put a snappy cover on a book and it sells a million copies. Yeah, hey, hey listen to this part. Not me. Well, you're going? Yeah. With a horny toss of my coils, I'm leaving. <laughs> Who is at the door? Oh, just Gillis. Peg, you were absolutely right. There's nothing wrong with this book. Babs can read it all she wants. I just looked through it. Oh, I told you not to worry. As a matter of fact, it's inspiring. I only wish our Babs and Junior could turn out like the boy and girl in this here book. I wish every kid in the neighborhood could read it. And there wouldn't be no traffic jam every Saturday night on Mulholland Drive. <laughs> Peg, you've got to read this book. When have I got time to read a book? Yeah, I know, but this uh, book... Say, is... Pop, would you please lend me a dime? I want to buy a comic book. Comic books. That's all he ever reads. Trash. It's not trash. I'm getting Ivanhoe. Trash. Now, here's the kind of a book you ought to read. Oh, who wants to read My Lady Jezebel? My Lady... Ooh, can I? Well, <laughs> no, not this copy. This is bad. But I'll tell you what. Here, here's two bucks. You buy yourself a copy. Oh, thanks, Pop. Uh, uh, Riley, wait. Uh, remember, now, you buy that book and learn it by heart. <laughs> I'll expect you to tell me what it's all about. Oh, I will, Pop. Gee, thanks. <laughs> Riley, I, I, I'm sure the book's all right, if you say so. But is it a book for children of Junior's age? Well, who are you phoning? This is the biggest brainstorm I ever had. Hello? Hello, can I speak to Father Brennan, please? What are you calling Father Brennan for? Uh, hello, Father Brennan. Uh, this is Chester Riley talking. Look, Father, I'm calling because I know you're interested in boys' work, and I came across a wonderful book the other day. I got my own boy reading it, and I'd like, I'd like to donate a copy to the Catholic Boys Club. It's really a fine book. I read it myself, and it's something every boy ought to know. Well, I'll send a copy over tomorrow, Father. Oh, that's all right, Father. You don't have to thank me. Glad to do it. Goodbye, Father. Now, Riley. Are you sure that that book is suitable? Oh, wait a minute, Peg. Wait a minute. I, I, I got another call to make. But, here. Riley, you didn't read all of I it. I read enough to know that... Hello? Is this the Reverend Thompson? Oh, this is Chester Riley, Reverend. I came across a fine book for kids the other day, and I'd like to donate a copy to your Sunday school library. Oh, don't thank me, Reverend. It's a pr privilege. Goodbye. 
Now listen, Riley. Don't no, wait, you... wait, 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 wait. One more call. No, you don't. I'm going to read that book now, first. look, Peg. I read it, didn't I? You think I put myself on the spot with such leaders of the community like Father Brennan, Reverend Thompson, and... Hello, Rabbi Le Leventhal? Uh, this is Chester Alley. Oh, fine, thanks. Uh, look, Rabbi, uh, you just opened up that new Jewish youth center, and I guess you could use some books for your library. Well, I'd like to donate a book I came across. It's really terrific. I got my own kids reading it. Uh, glad to help out, Rabbi. Goodbye. Now, Riley... Are you sure this book is all right for kids? Of course it's all right. It did not... Hi, Pop. I got my lady Jezebel. Well, let's ask Junior. Junior, have you read any of the book yet? Just a few parts. Well, what do you think of it so far? <laughs> so long, Pop. <laughs> huh. You hear that, Peg? Riley. Huh. What does he mean by... <laughs> well, what do you think he means? And before I'm through, I'll have every kid in the neighborhood saying the same thing. <laughs> Pabst Blue Ribbon will bring you the second act of The Life of Riley in just a moment. What do you have? Pabst Blue Ribbon. What will you have? Pabst Blue Ribbon. In Texas on the Rio Grande, their cowboys have a favorite brand. They serve it at your local bar. Sing out, partner for PBR. What do you have? Pabst Blue Ribbon. What will you have? Pabst Blue Ribbon. What will you have? Pabst Blue Ribbon. Pabst Blue Ribbon, dear. Finest beer served anywhere. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Prove it yourself with a three-way expert's test. One, your eyes are pleased with that Blue Ribbon clearness and sparkle. Two, your nose is teased with the aroma of Blue Ribbon hops. Three, your taste agrees. Finest beer served anywhere. Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. What'll you have? Pabst Blue Ribbon. <laughs> Now back to The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix as Riley with Paula Winslow and John Brown. Oh, Riley, you home? Oh, here you are. I want to talk to you. Uh, just a minute, Peg. Right away, this minute. Well, well, what's the matter? Uh, Riley, something's wrong. I knew you shouldn't have sent out those books. Are you starting that again? What's wrong now? Well, I passed by the school this afternoon and a car stopped outside, and who do you think was in it? Oh. Rabbi Leventhal, Reverend Thompson, and Father Brennan. And they were all going into the principal's office. So what? Whenever there's danger to the whole community, all the different leaders get together and discuss it, don't they? Yes. But I was wondering... Like the time that jerk put on a George Washington costume and went around chopping down all the trees. So what are you wondering about? I'm wondering who the jerk is this time. Well, Peg, they know what they're doing. Oh, but they acted so strange. I smiled and said, hello, did you get the books? And they were very cold. They didn't even smile back. Well, they're very serious type men. Well, I know one thing. I'm going to read that book right away. I should have done it before. Oh, I asked you to. Uh, here. Here's my last copy. I was saving it for the Boy Scouts, but you sit down and read it. Uh, don't bother. I'll see who it is. You start reading that book. I'm coming. I'm coming. People are always in such a hurry. Yes, they are. And it's so silly. Everybody winds up in the same place in the end. <laughs> oh, I didn't know it was you, Digger. Yes, it is I indeed. Digby O'Dell, the friendly undertaker. <laughs> Sorry I rang the bell so hard. Ah, that's okay. But what burns me up is sometimes late at night somebody rings the bell real hard and it wakes people up, you know. No, I wouldn't know. Nobody wakes up at my place. <laughs> We're all sound sleepers. Uh, well, well, come in, Digger. No, thank you. I'm on my way to meet the Super Chief. Oh. I'm welcoming the delegates for the annual convention of the UEPPIWNCGIC. It's a banking and thrift fund. UEPPIWNCGIC? The undertakers, embalmers, and pallbearers. We put it where nobody can get it. Club. <laughs> We're doing a fine job. Care to meet the boys? Well, I'd love to go, but I can't. Peg's reading a certain book, and I'm waiting to hear what she thinks of it. Uh, maybe you read it, My Lady Jezebel? No, I haven't. But my son, Clay, is reading it. Oh, yeah, our junior lent it to him. 
How's he like it? Does he find it interesting? Interesting? Oh, dear me. He's buried himself in it so deeply, even I can't get him out. <laughs> Doesn't answer if I speak to him. Hmm? You know, I'm the guy who's responsible for pushing that book. Wonderful book for kids. Of course, the cover gives you the wrong idea, but you know the saying, don't judge a book by its cover. Of course not. And in our profession, we have a similar saying. Don't judge a box by its cover. <laughs> Cheerio. I'd better be shoveling off. Uh, in the living room, Peg. Digger Odell was just here, but he's gone now. Well, you better call him back, because when I get through with you, you're going to need him. Well, what's the matter now? I've been reading this book. Ah, great, huh? Great? How can you... Just listen to this. Uh, uh, just a minute, Peg. Somebody at the door. Yes? Mr. Riley? Oh, Father Brennan. Come in. This may be an inconvenient hour for a visit, Mr. Riley, but the situation is pressing. Oh, that's okay, Father Brennan. This is indeed an honor. Come in. Uh, step in the parlor here. Uh, sit down, Father Brennan. Make yourself comfortable. Mr. Riley, uh, Excuse I... me just a minute, Father. I'll be right back. Peg. Peg. Well, who was that at the door? Father Brennan. <gasps> oh, no. Yes. Oh, this is awful. What's awful? He came to thank me. Thank you? Yes. He... At the door. Peg, you better put the kettle on for tea. Yes? Good evening, Mr. Riley. Oh, Rabbi Leventhal. Well, come in. Father Brennan is in the parlor. This is indeed a coincidence. Uh, right this way, in here. Look who's here, Father. Oh, hello there, Rabbi. Good to see you, Father. Uh, take a seat, Rabbi. I'll be right with you in just a second. Peg, Peg, you know who else just dropped in? Rabbi Leventhal. Oh, they're all coming. Yeah, I bet they are. Have you got some cake in the house? Cake? Yeah. You think they're here to eat cake? Don't you realize why they came? About the book? Well, sure about the book. They dropped in to show their appreciation. I tell you, I'm right up there with the leaders of the community. Oh, you're out of your mind. This oh, book... that must be the... Well, Peg, what are you standing there for? We gotta entertain our guests. Take off that apron and fix your hair. And wipe off that lipstick. Now, Riley, wait a minute. Mr. Riley? Well, come in, Reverend Thompson. We were expecting you. Uh, right this way, in the parlor. Two of your competitors are here. I mean, uh... <laughs> I, I, I mean your colleagues. <laughs> well, here's Reverend Thompson. Oh, you know my wife, Reverend. Yes, indeed. How do you do, Reverend? How do you do, Reverend? Well, now that we're all here, uh, any of you boys play canasta? Oh, well, excuse me, I, I didn't mean... To... This is not exactly a social call, Mr. Riley. Oh, business? Yes, Mr. Riley. Can't you guess why? Well, uh, well, well no, Rabbi Leventhal. <laughs> Mr. Riley, to put it bluntly... Oh, that must be Mr. Phillips now. Oh, are we expecting a Mr. Phillips? <laughs> I'll get it, Peg. Riley. Mr. Riley, is Father... Uh, yes, come in, come in. Uh, we're all in the parlor here. My name is Phillips. I'm from the district attorney's office. Oh. Tell me, Mr. District Attorney, just last week on your radio program, when they threw the body in the... <laughs> district Attorney? Riley. Well, what are you doing here, Mr. District Attorney? Well, I'm here unofficially as an observer to determine if there are sufficient grounds for an indictment. Oh, fine. Who are we going to indict? You, Mr. Riley. Me! <laughs> Me! <laughs> Me? <laughs> if the facts warrant it. Well, I, I don't understand. Oh, I tried to tell you, Riley, but you wouldn't uh, listen. Please, Mrs. Riley. Mr. Riley, you've gone to great pains to circulate among the youth of this community a book so cheap and trashy. Cheap and trashy? A book so completely no. unsuitable for children. No, well, no, 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 no. Wait a minute, Reverend. I don't know how you can say that. Now, now, I admit, mind you, that maybe the part where Ludwig tried to kiss Lucy is a little bit spicy, but, but she turns him down, don't she? And she marries Roger, the hard-working, clean-cut youth. D -d Didn't you read the book? Mr. Riley, what book are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about that book you got right there in your hands. My Lady Jezebel. 
let me that book a minute, huh? Uh, Mr. Wright. Now, I'll show you. I guarantee that there ain't a line in this book that ain't good for kids. <coughs> Open it on any page, anywhere. Uh, listen, let me read you a few parts. Oh, Riley, <clears throat> please. <clears throat> now, get this. Trembling, her heart pounding, she flung herself into his arms, and he bathed her in a shower of burning kisses. <laughs> Peg, would you get me my reading glasses? <laughs> There's no need to read further. No. No, wait. There's something wrong. Let me read another part. Her white shoulders gleamed in the pale moonlight. His grip tightened on her ivory flesh, and she felt ecstasy as his lips met hers. Kiss me, Sir Trevelyan, Lady Jezebel panted. Jezebel? Trevelyan? What happened to Lucy and Roger? <laughs> Riley, stop it. But there's something wrong. This ain't the book I read. Where's Bab's copy? Oh, Riley. There it is. This is the copy I read, and it's nothing like... Th Listen. No, Ludwig, Lucy cried. You're forgetting. I am a campfire girl. And with a haughty toss of her curls, she left him. <laughs> yeah, you see? Read it yourself. Go on, go on, read it. Riley, look at the title on the top of the page. I see it, I see it. Lucy Lawrence, campfire girl. <laughs> campfire? Oh. Oh, I, I see what happened. My book is a typographical error. Don't be silly, don't you see? Somebody put this Jezebel cover on this Lucy Lawrence book. Oh. Oh. Oh, and I read it, and I thought... And the kids read the other... Oh, this is terrible. Oh, Father, I, I didn't mean... Rabbi, I didn't know. Uh, please, Reverend, I, I didn't mean... Well, to err is human, and under the circumstances, Mr. Riley, I don't think you're guilty of anything more serious than sheer... <clears throat> Shall we go, gentlemen? Oh, thanks. And I give you my word. Nothing like this will ever happen again. Well, if we have your assurance... Oh, you have that all right. I promise. I guarantee it. Because from now on, so help me, I'll never read another book again. <laughs> In just a moment, Riley will return. Now that summertime's almost here, you'll be roasting hamburgers on the outdoor grill. Just be sure you've got plenty of that smoother, smoother, smoother Pabst Blue Ribbon cooling off in the icebox. Tomorrow morning, get yourself to the store. And when the man says, what'll you have? Just slip him those three little words, Pabst Blue Ribbon. Buy it by the bottle or by the can. Either way, you'll enjoy that internationally famous taste of the finest beer served anywhere. Oh, always the same excuse. You didn't know. All right, all right, all right, Peg. So I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I'm a dope. So shoot me. Go ahead, shoot me. Take a gun and blow my brains out. If you can find them. <laughs> oh, Riley. <laughs> well, what's, what, what's the big joke? Oh, dear, I can't be angry with you. Then you, uh, you forgive me? <laughs> I guess I'll have to. I'm stuck with you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, sweet Peg. Come here. What now? You know, if we were a couple of characters in a book, you know, you know what I'd say now? What? Pucker up, Lady Peg. Sir Riley panted, and he gave her a shower bath of burning kisses. <laughs> say, uh, Mr. Wallington. What'll you have, Riley? What'll you have? Ain't those beautiful words? 
That's what everybody's asking these days. What'll you have? Yes, and the answer's always the same. That smoother, smoother, smoother Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. What'll you have? Pabst Blue Ribbon. What'll you have? Pabst Blue Ribbon. What'll you have? Pabst Blue Ribbon. Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. Smoother, smoother, smoother flavor. Zest and sparkle, million flavor. Taste that smoother, smoother flavor. Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. Finest beer served anywhere. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Prove it yourself with a three-way expert's test. One, your eyes are pleased with that blue ribbon clearness and sparkle. Two, your nose is teased with the aroma of blue ribbon hops. Three, your taste agrees. Finest beer served anywhere. That's blue ribbon beer. What'll you have? That's blue ribbon. Perhaps Blue Ribbon invites you to join us again next week to hear The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix as Riley. The Life of Riley is produced by Irving Brecker by arrangement with Universal International Pictures, which will soon release Peggy, starring Diana Lynn and Charles Coburn. Tonight's script is by Reuben Shipp and Alan Lipscott. Direction by Mitch Lindemann. Mrs. Riley is Paula Winslow, Digger O'Dell is John Brown, Babs is Louise Erickson, and Junior is Bobby Ellis. Others in the cast were Paul McVeigh, Patty Chapman, and Herb Vigran. <laughs> The Life of Riley is brought to you by the Pabst Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Newark, New Jersey, and Peoria, Illinois. And sent your way with the best wishes of Pabst Blue Ribbon dealers from coast to coast. Jimmy Wallington speaking. It's new, it's amazing, it's Prell, P-R-E-L-L. Procter & Gamble's new radiant cream poo in the handy tube. Prell brings you the life of Riley. Prell, the shampoo that removes unsightly dandruff in as little as three minutes and leaves hair radiantly clean, radiantly lovely, presents The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. Well, 13-year-old Junior Riley is faced with a serious problem for a boy of tender years, to act or not to act in his school play. That is the question. And as usual, Riley Sr. has all the answers. But, Pop, I don't want to act in the play. But, Junior, this is the chance of a lifetime. You'll be a hero to the whole school. But I'm scared. The minute you get on that stage, you'll forget all about being scared. Yeah, but all those people out in front... Ignore I... them. Now, say you'll do it. Now, Riley, I think if Junior Please, feels... Please, Peg, it... let's be fair. Let's let the boy make up his own mind. I said he's going to act, and that's final. <laughs> Yes, but if he's scared... What's he what? got to be scared about? Well, in this play, I... I gotta kiss this girl. Oh, oh so that's it. She, she's so homely, she frightens you? Oh, no, she's... Oh, she's beautiful. Let me get this straight. There's, there's this beautiful girl, and you gotta kiss her, and you don't like that? No. Peg, I gotta have a talk with this boy. <laughs> Afraid to kiss a pretty girl. Well, I can understand why he's worried. Well, I wish I had worries like that. <laughs> oh, you do. Uh, Peg, let the boy make up his own mind. Junior, you want to be in the play, don't you? Well, sure, but not if I have to kiss this girl. But that'll only take a second. It's just like a guy I knew once said, it's only the first shock and then your worries are over. <laughs> Was she in a play? Well, no, the electric chair. <laughs> It's the same principle. You be in this play. It's a cinch. Oh, it's easy for you to say. You were never in a play. Who wasn't? When I was a kid, I played the lead in our school play. It was one of them old-time shows where everybody was a sir and wore armor. You know, lunch a lot at night around the table. <laughs> oh, Riley. Sir Launcelot and the Knights of the Round Table. I, I was in this play, and I was great. I, Hey, it's getting late. I got to shave. You take my advice, Junior. Go in for that play. Maybe it isn't so tough after all. If Pop could do it, I guess oh, I... Oh, of course you can. Oh, <laughs> I'll never forget that play. 
You see, this all happened when your father was about 16. We both went to the same high school in Brooklyn. Oh, he was awful shy then. And I remember one winter afternoon, we were walking home from school together. My, it, it certainly is cold, isn't it, Chester? Yeah, it sure is, Miss Parker. Oh, my right hand's just about frozen. It is? Well, I, I know how to warm it up for you. Do you mind? Oh, no. I don't mind. <laughs> oh, Chester, stop blowing on my hand. <laughs> I... Oh, this is better. I got a very hot breath. Besides, I wouldn't think of holding your hand. Oh, Chester, I never saw anybody as shy as you. Why are you so afraid of girls? Who's afraid? I can lick any girl my size. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I go out with millions of girls. Gee, they're always calling me up. They just won't let me alone. Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> Honest, it's awful, my social life. Of course, I'd give them all up if you... If you... It's cold, ain't it? Well, here's my house. Goodbye, Chester. Oh, wait, Miss Parker. Uh, 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 Peggy. Yes, Chester? Uh, 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 you doing anything Saturday night? Why, no, not a thing. Well, goodbye. Well, no, I, I'm not doing a thing. Why? Well, I, uh, I, I was wondering, uh, uh, did you ever see a basketball game? Oh, no, but I'd love to. Well, goodbye. Well, I, I've always wanted to go to one. Oh, well, 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 is it okay if I buy a ticket for you? Oh, that'd be wonderful. What time will you call for me? You mean it's okay if I go along with you? <laughs> well, then I'll buy two tickets. Oh. Chester, you're cute. All right, have it your way. Oh, look, Chester. <laughs> well, there's Hugo Hawkinson. That cake eater. Just because he's got a raccoon coat, he thinks he's a sheik. Greetings and celebrations. How's my gorgeous one and only? Listen, Hawkinson, I ain't your one and only. Well, if it ain't Riley, what are you doing talking to a girl? Okay, you asked for it. Put him up, Hawkinson. Oh, tired of living, huh? Pardon? Oh, now stop it, you two. Why can't you be friends? I got nothing against Riley. And just to prove it, shake, pal. Well... Come on, put it there, Chester. Well, okay, you'll go shake. Oh, his hand bit me. <laughs> you sure fell for that one, stupid. Some gag, huh? Why, you, you finale hopper. <laughs> oh, Hugo, you and your practical jokes. Well, you know me, kid. Anything for a laugh. Hey, listen, Peggy Pie, I got a couple of ducats for the theater Saturday night. Call for you at eight, huh? Oh, that's wonderful, Hugo. I've been dying to see Cecil Tremaine as Sir Launcelot. Oh, I can't go. I, I have to go to the basketball game with Chester. You're going out with him? What'd you do, Peggy? Lose a bet? <laughs> now, see here, Hugo. Peggy, that's... if you'd rather go to the theater, I'll take you. Oh, would you, Chester? Go with me. Riley can't buy the kind of seats I got. They're pretty high. Is that so? The seats I buy will be even higher. Third gallery. <laughs> Third gallery. I got orchestra seats. Buck and a half a piece. I'll get orchestra seats, too. Well, you don't have to, Chester. You can't afford... Don't worry, Peggy. I'll show you Hawkinson ain't the only one who can throw away $3 on you. I can be just as big a sucker as he is. <laughs> Program, 15 cents, program. Oh, my, there's a crowd. They say that Cecil Tremaine is just wonderful. Well, I'd better buy the tickets, Peggy. You wait here. Let me see. Where's my $3? Oh, here. Well, well, well. Hiya, Peggy, my heart. Oh, hello, Hugo. Beat it, Hawkinson. She's with me. Just saying hello. You want to say hello, get your own girl. Program, mister. Souvenir program. No, thanks. We don't want no program. Hey, just a minute, boy. Want a program, Peggy? Well, it, it's up to Chester. <laughs> He's too cheap to buy Who's you. Who's cheap? I'll show you. Here, boy, give me six of them programs. <laughs> uh, yes, 
Yes, sir. Ninety cents. Here's a dollar. Keep the change. Oh, Chester, we didn't need six of them. Gardenias? Gardenia for the lady. Peggy, you want a gardenia? I'll buy her a gardenia. Here, lady. Gardenia, sir? Make up a bouquet. Yes, sir. Here you are. That'll be 75 cents. Here's a dollar. Keep the change. Well, thank you, Sonny. Gardenia? Oh, Chester, one would have been enough. Ah, what's one gardenia? When I take a girl out, I like her to wear a corset. <laughs> You, you better get the tickets. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Opera glasses, opera glasses for rent. Oh, now, Chester, we don't need opera glasses. We'll be in the orchestra. Well, suppose you want to look up in the balcony. Here, lady, one opera glass. Yes, sir. 25 cents and a dollar deposit. You get 75 cents change. Care for some chocolates? Yeah, sure. Give me that big box there, girlie. Yes, sir. Opera glasses, chocolates. Oh, oh Chester, you're so extravagant. So what? When I take a girl out, I... Curtain going up, curtain going up. Hey, I, I gotta get the tickets. Oh, hurry, I don't want to miss the beginning. Yeah. Hey, hey, mister, two in the orchestra, please. The best. Hey, uh, Sonny, two first row center. You got anything closer? I mean, uh, they're okay. $3.06 tax, 306. Yeah, I got it right here. Here, here you are. That covers the tax. How about the $3? <laughs> That, that's funny. I had it right in this pocket a minute ago. Oh, Chester, hurry up. Everybody's going in. What do you say, kid? You want these tickets? Three dollars more. Peggy, I, I, I got a great idea. How about going over to the aquarium? Oh, the aquarium? It's very educational. Did you ever see a live herring? <laughs> hey, what's this stolen for, Riley? You broke? Go on, Hawkinson. Beat it. No dough for the tickets. Am I right, Diamond Jim? Chester, you mean I, I can't see the play? But you can, baby. I got two tickets right here. Come on. But, Hugo, I, I came with Chester. Yeah, I'll lose that phony before he tries to pawn your coat. I had enough of this. I'm going to punch your head off. Put him up. They're up. Oh, come on. I was talking to Peg. <laughs> I mean, okay, put him up, you big wiseacre. Oh, stop it, Chester. Everybody's staring. I'll monopolize him. Oh, hey. must you make a scene? If you can't behave like a gentleman, I'm... Oh, come on, Hugo, let's go see the play. No, Peggy, wait. Come on, sweetheart. <laughs> she went with him. If I could only get some money for seats, maybe she'd sit with me in the second act. Where can I get some money? Curtain going up. Get your souvenir program. Curtain going up. Get your souvenir programs. Gardenias, chocolates, opera glasses. <laughs> Ah, there, Joseph, me good man. Yeah, Mr. Tremaine? Any messages for me? Uh, no, sir. I was expecting a young damsel, a Miss Lily, something or other. And perhaps she awaits me in the alley. <laughs> good night, Joseph. Good night, Mr. Tremaine. You gave a great performance tonight. Oh, yes, I was splendid. <laughs> Till tomorrow, Joseph. Farewell. Good night. Confounded. Where are they going to put a light into this alley? It's as black as the graveyard scene in Hamlet. Which I do superbly. <laughs> oh, is that you, Lily, Miss Sweet? So you came after all. Kiss me. But I hardly know you, mister. <laughs> Gad, who is this? It's me. The, wait, let me strike a match. There. I'm not Lily. So it would appear from your figure. <laughs> Gosh, you're Cecil Tremaine. Uh, you recognized me. <laughs> oh, sure, you're famous. Boy, I wish Peggy was here to meet you. Peggy? And whom? Uh, how old? Uh, uh, where? Who is Peggy? Well, she's my girl. I mean, she would be my girl if she didn't hate the sight of me. <laughs> The pangs of unrequited love. Eh? My heart goes out to you, lad. I, too, was once spurned by a woman. But did I despair? Did you? Did I beat my breast in frenzied anguish? You're hurting me, mister. <laughs> no, that was the coward's way. I sought solace in the theater. It became my one true love. I worked, I slaved, I suffered for me art. 
And today, where am I? In an alley. <laughs> I am at the very pinnacle of my fame. And this same woman who once spurned me now throws herself at my feet. Oh, gee, I wish I was a famous actor like you. I bet then Peggy would act different. She would indeed. The fair sex is drawn to us actors, as is the moth to the flame. <laughs> Become an actor, my boy. Revel in the realm of Thespis. Well, I, I... You really think I could be an actor? If you have the urge, lad, pursue it! Oh, I bet she'd be crazy about me. <laughs> Take your place with Barrymore, Sir Henry Irving, and Cecil Tremaine. <laughs> Get the stage in your blood, become an actor, and give your life to the theater. Oh, gee, you gave me a great idea, Mr. Tremaine. You'll see. I'll do what you say. I'll get me blood on that stage. And when they see me act, they'll give me life. <laughs> the second act of the life of Riley in a moment. Say, Ken, the whole family favors new Prell, Procter & Gamble's new radiant cream shampoo in the handy tube. Well, of course, Prell's a family hit for two reasons. First, Prell's the word for radiant hair, because Prell leaves hair more radiant than any soap or soap shampoo. Second, Prell removes embarrassing dandruff in as little as three minutes. Examinations by a group of doctors proved it. In case after case, even stubborn dandruff was controlled by only two Prell shampoos a week. And the whole family likes that handy Prell tube. Easy to use, no waste or spill. A little Prell makes mountains of lather. So for hair free of unsightly dandruff, hair radiantly soft and smooth, ask for... P-R-E-L-L Prell shampoo Leaves hair radiant, gleaming bright Not a bit of dandruff is in sight Comes in a tube, handy too P-R-E-L-L Prell shampoo by Prowl Shampoo. And now back to the life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. Mrs. Riley is telling Junior about Riley's experiences as an actor during his school days. Well, after that talk with Cecil Tremaine, your father really got the acting bug. But how did Pop get in the play? Well, I'm coming to that. One day at school, your father suggested that the class put on a play. And since he suggested it, the teacher let him be the romantic lead. Well, Pop, the romantic lead? Well, I know it's a little hard to believe. <laughs> After all, your father's not exactly the Gregory Peck type. Oh, gosh, no. He's more the William Bendix type. <laughs> I... I think he's much better looking than William Bendix. <laughs> well, anyway... Teacher let him pick his leading lady, so naturally he picked the prettiest girl in the class. Uh, who is that, Mom? Well, me, of course. <laughs> You're getting more like your father every day. Well, we were doing the same play that Cecil Tremaine did. You know about Sir Launcelot. Your father rehearsed day and night, especially the love scenes. There was a time when he was rehearsing a particular scene. Ah, Guinevere, my fair one, wouldst that thou art my betrothed. Come to my arms, O loveliest of queens. Let me enfold you so, and I will plant a thousand kisses upon thy ruby lips. <laughs> oh, gee, Rover, if I could only do it that way with Peggy. All right, cast, rehearsal. Uh, Chester and Peggy, you start with the line, Ah, Guinevere, my fair. Uh, yes, teacher. <clears throat> ah, Guinevere. Uh, get a little closer together. Uh, uh, yes, teacher. Well, closer, Chester. Yeah. <clears throat> ah, Guinevere, my fair one, wouldst that thou wert my bethrottled. <laughs> no laughing, please. It's betrothed, Chester. Uh, come to my arms, O oh, loveliest of queens, and I will plant a thousand rubies on your kisser. <laughs> on your ruby lips. Well, go on, Chester. Kiss her. Hi. 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 Kiss me, Chester. I. Oh, I can't. Why not, Chester? Well, she's a girl. <laughs> I'm 
mean, I, I, I just can't. I see. But I'm afraid it's necessary for the play, Chester. All you have to do is... Uh, oh, will someone in the cast please show Chester how to do this scene? Not show, sure, Miss Richards. All right, you go. Hey, wait. He's only the stage manager. Silence, please. Now, watch carefully what I do, Riley. I put my left arm around Peggy like this. Oh, you go. <laughs> you see, Riley? Yeah. Then I put my right arm here. <laughs> yeah. Then I bend her back like this and I say, I will plant a thousand kisses on your ruby lips. Mm. Well, Chester, are you getting it? No, he's getting it. <laughs> Curtain five minutes, curtain five minutes, everybody. Hey, Riley. Hey, why don't you knock before you come in my dressing room? You might have been a girl. <laughs> How do you feel in that suit of armor? Okay, how's the audience? Oh, full house, the whole school's there. You sure you remember your lines, pal? Oh, sure. I'd win a fair That's fine. Uh, now, when you get on stage uh, and your mind goes blank, don't let that bother you. What? And when that spotlight hits you and you get dizzy, don't let that bother you. Okay. And when your knees start buckling and you're just about to faint, how do you feel, pal? I want my mother. <laughs> Riley, you can't go on like this. You're sick. Let me go on for no, you. No, nothing to it. I'm the star. I'm going on. Okay. Only there's dust inside your helmet. Watch out you don't start sneezing. Oh, that'd be terrible. Don't worry. I got something to fix you up fine. I'll be right back. Hey, Shorty. Oh, there you are. I was looking for you, Hugo. Got the sneezing powder? Yeah, here. Itchy nose sneezing powder. Yeah, that's it. I better take this label off. Now, beat it, Shorty. And if you know what's good for you, keep your mouth shut. Okay, Hugo. Oh, <laughs> brother. Hey, Riley, I got the stuff for you. What stuff? To stop you from sneezing. This, uh, medicine. Uh, it stops sneezing? Oh, guarantee. Sprinkle it inside your helmet. And not now, uh, just before you go on. Oh, oh, you're a pal, Hugo. Now you better get in the wings, and uh, good luck to you, kid. Yeah, here I go. Places! On stage, everybody! Places! Okay, we're all set. Are you nervous, Peggy? Well, just... <laughs> Oh, I, I hope you ain't catching a cold. Oh, no, it, it's just this bouquet of goldenrod I have to carry. I'll be all right. Gee, I hope so. Hey, I got just a thing for you. Huh? Well, Jess, what are you doing? I'm sprinkling this stuff on your flowers. There. Oh, but This you is shouldn't... guaranteed to stop you from sneezing. Here, I'll put some on your dress, too. Oh. It's lucky I had it with me. Okay, I'm opening the curtain. All right. Arthur Lancelot. Let us rest here a while on this crag. As you wish, my dear Guinevere. This is my favorite crag here by the sea. I love to stand and feel the spray on my face. Ah, oh, my. Ah, 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 I love to stand here and feel the spray on my face. Ah, sir. Ah, ah, that's enough spray already. Ah, <laughs> uh, Guinevere, my, 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 Thanks. <laughs> hey, what are you laughing at, you big baboons? What's so funny? Give her a change. Change. <laughs> you shut up or I'll come down here and jerk. Close the curtain! Close the curtain! What a revolting, revolting development this is! Oh, I can't walk anymore in this suit of armor. I'll lie down on this bench here. <laughs> oh, what a mess. How about this one? <laughs> oh, what a mess. 
Is there a body in here? <laughs> Who's that? It is I, Digby O'Dell, the friendly undertaker. I'm in terrible trouble, Mr. O'Dell. You know the school play? Tonight was the opening night. I know. I wanted to go, but I had to attend another opening. <laughs> I ruined the play. They brought down the curtain and put Hawkinson in my part. Ah, that's the theater for you. Full of heartbreak. As a youth, I paid my way through the Mortician's Academy by acting in stock. But business was so bad, I quit. I just couldn't stand the sight of all those empty boxes. And I thought being in the theater was going to be fun. It can be. Ah, the theater. What memories. Brutus stabbing Caesar. Othello strangling Desdemona. Hamlet poisoning his mother. Ah, there's no business like show business. Hawkinson tricked me into putting sneezing powder all over my girl. Oh, she hates me. Then you must go to her. And do the honest thing. Put the blame on Hawkinson. You really think that's a good idea? Of course. You know me, my boy. I wouldn't take you for a ride. <laughs> Not at a time like this. You're right. I'll go to Peggy. And as for that Hawkinson... Settle his hash, too. You know what I'd do with that cat if I had my way? Why, I'd... Oops, that reminds me I have an appointment. <laughs> well, cheerio. I'd better be shoveling off. Oh, gosh, Hugo, you were really wonderful tonight Playing Chester's part on such short notice Everybody's raving about you Well, I did it for you, baby When that big lug Riley ran out on you I only did what any other gent would have done Now it's Nick <laughs> Now it's Hugo So here you are, Hawkinson You get away from my girl Chester Riley, I'm not your girl. Beat it, Ironhead. Peg, it ain't my fault. He gave me that powder. He said it was to stop sneezing. Ah, he's just trying to squirm out of it. Now, Peg, it's the truth. I wouldn't do a thing like that to you on purpose. I don't believe it. Honest, how could I do such a thing? You know how I like you. I don't believe it. But, Peg, it ain't like me. I'm too dumb to think of a trick like that. <laughs> Hugo Hawkinson, did uh, just, you... Just, just a gag, Peg. Uh, on Riley, not you. Well... Of all the sneaking, miserable creatures I ever Hawkinson, met. Hawkinson, you deserve the licking of your life. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, you fresh thing. Go! Oh. How do you like that, Hugo? Go! Oh. That'll teach you a lesson. Oh. And one more for good measure. Okay, Peggy, you can stop hitting them now. <laughs> We'll be back in just a moment. Prell speaks for itself. That's what the letters say about Prell. Procter & Gamble's radiant cream shampoo in the handy tube. Mrs. Jeanette Berries of Chicago, Illinois writes, After I used Prell, everyone wanted to know what I'd done to my hair. It was so soft and lovely. Well, I guess seeing is believing, because now all my friends are sold on Prell. Friends, see for yourself how quickly Prell removes unsightly dandruff, leaves hair radiantly lovely. You'll sing about... P-R-E-L-L, Prowl Shampoo, leaves hair radiant, gleaming bright. Not a bit of dandruff is in sight. Comes in a tube, handy too. P-R-E-L-L, Prowl Shampoo. Buy Prowl Shampoo. Well, Junior, did you decide to be in that play, like I said? Yes, I'm going to do it, Pop. Had a boy, Sonny. Why, when I acted in my school play, I had the time of my life. And I was great. Riley, hey. I told you. I was sensational. The minute I opened my mouth on that stage, you know what everybody in the audience said? Gesundheit. <laughs> Peg, you told him. and Gamble invite you to join us again next week to hear the life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. William Bendix can currently be seen in the Paramount picture, Where There's Life. The script is by Robin Shep, Alan Lipscott, and Jack Brecker. Mrs. Riley is Paula Winslow, Bigger Odell is John Brown, and Cecil Tremaine is Hans Conry. The Life of Riley is produced and directed by Irving Brecker.
Thanks for joining us at Radio Days, your golden age radio sampler. Be sure to let us know if you enjoy the life of Riley and want some more episodes by emailing us at 1001storiespodcast at gmail.com. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.